0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Bears. My name is Joy Christopoulos. We've got a fantastic bears bucks preview coming at you with a very special guest in just a second but first we got to talk about our sponsor who else it's football season baby it's BetOnline.ag. football is back on bet online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up-to-minute stats news scores and matchup breakdowns they got nfl and college football at your fingertips with bet online's real-time updates on statistics news and odds from week one all the way to the college football playoff and super bowl bet online gives you the access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online so what waiting for head to the website use your mobile device right now if you get in on the action and use promo code believe B L E A V you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit that's only with promo code believe B L E A V bet online where the game starts ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for coming into the pod we don't have Corey this week but still we're going to talk about that week one loss to the green bay packers we're also going to preview the bucks let's bring in a very special guest you might know him from the bears wire followed at the bears wire you might know him from the bear down shy pot or you might have seen him on football night in chicago very recently this dude's as dialed in as it gets and uh, i'm so excited to have him on today
1: it's brendan shigaru hello brendan how are you What's up, Joey? It's so exciting to talk to you finally. I know we've been going back and forth a little bit. Um, I'm a big fan of you guys and believe in bears with Corey. So yeah, it's, it's great to talk with you, but it's also terrible because we have to talk about just the dreadfulness of what's happened this past week, man.
0: Uh, I'm coming up on my two-year anniversary of joining Twitter, um, and you were one of my early follows. Not only you dialed in, you have great analysis, you have a great sense of humor. We started talking back and forth. We kind of developed a little bit of an internet friendship, and here we are. I feel terrible, man. I feel like I'm inviting you over for dinner, but then I tell you that the toilet's broken. You know what I mean? For a first appearance, (laughs) this is not the way I wanted this to go, Brendan. Uh, But let's kick it off like this. Uh, Look, we are going to get to the keys. We are going to roll it forward and talk about how the Bears... Could, need, should pick up a win versus the Buccaneers in week two. But um real quick, let's kick the cadaver a couple more times um and talk about a very disappointing 38-20 to 20 loss of the Packers. Let's just start here. Um, you got Bears stuff on your wall. You grew up a Bears fan, you're a Bears analyst. Um, how are you doing spiritually, sports spiritually right now? How are you are you taking it right now as we're taping this on a Thursday?
1: Joey, I'm a weathered sports fan and it just felt like the corpse of my dead fan body was just getting pelted with arrows did you ever watch game of thrones yes big fan so okay i mean for anybody who hasn't seen it it's just kind of like you know the battle of the bastards where you just see all those dead bodies and arrows are just coming in them and they've been dead already but still just like things are are happening and it's like you can't hurt me anymore because i'm already dead but that being said this opener was probably the worst one in 20 years. The only thing worse I can remember is the 2003 debacle against the San Francisco 49ers where they lost, I think it was 49 to seven. Anything, Everything since then has not been worse than what we saw on Sunday. And it's because of course, we know it's the new era. We knew that there's a lot of hype around this team. This was supposed to be the start of a brand new, just, well era I said it earlier just not only with the Bears but for the Packers too and look for the first half things weren't great but at least you could kind of see what was happening with the Bears like they were able to move the ball a bit it wasn't that explosive but it was effective and things started to slow down a little bit with the Packers after that fourth and one issue where they couldn't get it and they gave them a short field you saw that okay we're hanging with them we can do something in the second half and we can make this a a better game and pull away and then what happens? Everything goes to crap. I mean, my God, the, the adjustments that the Packers made versus what the Bears couldn't make. And then just the barrage of screen passes after everybody knew they were coming and just very little effectiveness. It, it was so disheartening because there was a complete breakdown at every single level, player effort, out coaching, outsmarting really, and just... Everything in between. Um, the the best yeah. part was really the national anthem with Jim Cornelison. After that, it, it was all downhill, unfortunately. So, yeah, um, it look it stung. Like I said, I've I've sort of been here before, but at the same time, like it's like when are we ever going to get a break from Bears Packers domination? Because we thought we were going to get it after Rogers. We thought we were going to get it when Justin Fields was coming into his own. We thought we were going to get it with. All of the team. I mean, look, I, I have not heard so much. I, I can't remember if we can swear in here, but just blame oh, yeah, talk. Go for it. It's I, I so much shit talking from the Bears all off season long. And to lay an egg like that, I don't ever want to hear them talk ever again until they start producing results.
0: You know, uh, look, for context, we are going to note the time and the date and say that it's week one. Um, I'm not in the mode of it's only week one as an excuse. Um, I'm right there with you yeah the first half very much looked like Bears football of seasons pass of missed opportunities a first down here and there, penalty brings you back um, a poor construction or execution of a play design holds you back here and there and you get head into the half seven six not feeling great about yourself but at the end of the day Brendan I think what's so disappointing and real quick that 2003 that was the bourbon a right that was the bourbon a year uh, that was the no that was the, the year, first year of
1: new soldier field.
0: First year, in new soldier field. Okay. Forgive yeah. me. Yeah. Um, 2019 also kind of rings a couple of bells for me where, mm-hmm. um, you know, Nagy's 2.0 offense, they didn't play anyone in the preseason. It was like this present that was going to be unopened and you opened it up and and it was, and it was awful in that performance. Um, I just want to talk to you really quick about the ready to play aspect. Um, you know, we talked a little bit before the pod, you said you went to a couple of practices, saw a little bit of the training camp. Um, obviously bears fans didn't get a chance to see a lot of the number one starters um throughout the course of the preseason. And I just I I can't imagine I can't imagine that this team was ready to roll. And when you say to a man, maybe individually they thought that they're ready to play, but as a cohesive unit, when you start pulling up that tape, and we're gonna get into Justin Fields a little bit, but on every single play it was somebody having some sort of disaster moment or poor execution, whether it was a Chase Claypool offensive line. Justin Fields' decision-making, Cole Kmet's block, you know, whatever it was, this team was not ready to roll. Um, you know, how are you taking that right now? I know the in the NFL now we play a lot with, you know, the NFL first month of the year is all preseason two, as well as these teams figure it out. But man, this was, this was really, really difficult. The Chicago Bears tapped out in the second half. And I think it's more than just one loss. I mean, I'm not alone in saying that. So do you think that they're ready to play? Um, And when I say ready to play,
1: um, do you think that they can move that forward and get ready to play in week two? So the answer to the first question is no, they weren't ready to play. And you can't, like effort is all within yourself. You know, you got to be proud as a person, as a man to get out there and give it your best when you're doing your job. In the practices that I saw at training camp, and I think I only saw one or two full padded practices. Some of them were kind of like lighter practices, but the effort was there. I can tell you right now they were playing hard, they were playing smart, and guys were going after each other. We know, we heard stories about just like the defense chirping the offense every single time that they made a turnover. That unit was really cohesive and together and bringing the energy, and the offense would respond too as well. They would have those better days and guys were, you know, really getting out of their cuts quick and like not loafing as Maddie Perflutes likes to say it. You saw the effort in those practices. And I know we singled out Chase Claypool for example this, he looked good in camp. That wasn't sort of a mirage or anything like that. He was playing hard. He was playing smart. He was giving it his all. I was at the practice where he did hurt his hamstring. So that was tough. Um, And I figured like, okay, he's probably going to be out a little bit, but he was, he was gaming and he was competing. And so for him to go from that, and even I'll, I'll shout out Jacob Infante for pulling this up, his old blocking highlights. I don't know if you saw that from Notre Dame where he was pile driving guys into the ground. Where was that Chase Claypool? We've seen he was it a tight end.
0: He was a tight end
1: in a former life, that is the college uh, in the college style. Yeah, clearly, who could still run a four four? I mean, that physicality shouldn't go away. So, we the point is, we definitely saw instances where this team was competing and they were competing well against each other, and there were also good practices, particularly on the defensive side against the Colts, where they were making life very difficult for Anthony Richardson. So it's almost like these guys sort of like bought into their own hype. They're reading the clippings they're reading how much bears twitter is hyping them up before the season and they're maybe they're thinking yeah we are feeling good we are feeling proud of ourselves and then it feels like they had it in the bag like this was their game but they didn't prepare like it and the green bay was just simply more prepared and more ready to play and you know perhaps it's there's a breakdown between coaching and players maybe maybe coaches aren't listening to players who knows? But. It just, with some of the answers coming out of practice this week and just how hyped they were last week, this was a big dose of a reality check for them. Like, look, you are not there yet. You are not this this team that's going to go from worst to first. Not yet, because clearly you have a long ways to go. And I think it's about time you realize that and start from scratch and say, let's get better starting this week and just build from there.
0: And unfortunately, you could see some of that reality set in as the game was happening. I just kind of remember i went back i junior high basketball uh shout out and also maybe a knock on we used to play this school called hillel torah and they weren't the most talented group of the world but clearly we had this half court full court press that we would put on them and they couldn't get the ball past half court and (laughs) next thing you know it's it's 20 to 4 right and you can kind of and i once took an elbow to the face because a kid just got so frustrated Mm -hmm. by just the inability to really be able to do anything and that was just that futile there was a futility to what was happening with the Chicago Bears on Sunday. And there is a lot to improve on in such a short span of time. Um, Just keeping it a little bit in the past and in the present. Just for right now, we mentioned Chase Claypool very quickly. Um, Now, this was a guy Courtney Cronin reported on yesterday. Um, There was some interesting public coded language used by Justin Fields today singing. I know it was a direct question about Equinemius St. Brown, but then when he was given the opportunity, he said all the things, basically, that Chase Claypool was unable to execute last Sunday. There is a question mark of whether Chase Claypool could even be active this week. Um, what do you see happening right now? And and do you think maybe it's better for this offense right now that EQ St. Brown is that perimeter blocker? Um, is that extra guy on the outside for some of the stuff that the Bears want to do offensively?
1: It is. And to be honest, I was surprised last week when he was a healthy scratch. I knew that it could be a possibility with just how many receivers the bears had and trying to get Tyler Scott integrated. They specifically went out and got Trent Taylor just to field punts. And that just goes to show you, it's so hard to have just a dedicated punt returner like that, unless your name's Devin Hester. It's really not like a smart investment because it shows that your other wide receivers can't do it. So you knew that somebody and of course bayless jones too was was on that list of being inactive but you knew that somebody was going to be on the outs and unfortunately that was eq and for a team that is still so ground-oriented and especially with what luke gets wants to do with the game plan of short passes screen passes and getting your receivers to block that, that was a terrible move Because if you're going to make Equinemius St. Brown inactive, then you have to get the ball to guys like Claypool, Mooney, and more deeper. Because that shows like, look, we're not worried about like the short passing game or as much of the run game like on the perimeters. We're worried about creating big plays with our wide receivers who are paid to make big plays catching. And we know that Equinemius just doesn't excel at that. So I would be shocked if he's not active this week knowing what happened. I still do think Chase Claypool is going to be active. I don't think a full benching is going to happen yet because I I think they still believe in him. I don't know what happened because looking at all 22 and I'm going to shout out I'm bearing down. I feel like I'm every show I'm on. I shout out this guy who just picks every player, you know, that who's the hot player and zeros in on him for the all 22. You could see Claypool running his routes hard, and there were some blocking plays that he did do really well on. It just seemed like maybe he wasn't as prepared. There are certain moments it's like that in the NFL. If you're late on an assignment and a guy's coming at you, you're going to lose and you're going to look foolish. So I'm hoping maybe this is just, you know, me being naive, but I'm hoping he got the message and he's still going to be an active participant where they're going to try to get him to the ball downfield because that's what he excelled at in in Pittsburgh it wasn't these like you know screen passes he did do a few um end arounds but he was a big play threat where you kind of matched him up against smaller corners and then made big plays down the field so i'm thinking i don't think Velas Jones is going to be active i think maybe they um unfortunately make Tyler Scott inactive give him a, give him some time and then yeah. bring up EQ and focus more on those screen passes so he can actually get into block because i know we're going to talk about it we know that Tampa likes to bring the heat and that's going to be important for the game planning.
0: You know, when we talk about depth and angles, I think across the board offensively, it was terrible. So when we're, we're I'm not excusing what Chase Claypool was going on, but he suffered the same issue when we're talking about bad angles taken to get perimeter blocking. Yep. I think they, I I watched one of the tapes when they tried to run a screen pass and we have our running back going two yards deeper behind justin fields who's already in shotgun which is a terrible depth to take a you know to catch a pass from anyway so i mean i it's these details um that i think are scary um and we you know the good news is you can clean those up a little bit but the other thing that kind of concerned me a little bit and i know it is week one but you work on training camp all all uh, all month long and what you try and do is i think you try and figure out what iteration these offensive pieces that you have you know, where do you start creating some of your bread and butter? What are your go-to plays? I always think of when Mitch Trubisky was in a jam, Allen Robinson quick rub out five yeah. yards to the sideline
1: first down, you know, all yeah. day long over and over and over again. Or Tariq so- Cohen, Tariq Cohen, he can out of the backfield, you know, <laughs> yes. out running the, the linebackers for a first, everything like yeah. that. You're right, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. So
0: that's, that's my question, and this is going to kind of pivot and transition over to just some Justin Fields talk of what you saw, what you liked, what you didn't like. Um, outside of the screen pass, which I felt like they had to lean on heavily. I don't know if it was because they didn't trust their offensive line and they were just trying to get Green Bay off of them a little bit. What ended up happening was Green Bay actually ended up creeping up further to the line. It worked in the wrong way. So, So what are, do we have any bread and butter plays yet? And are those, those are the types of things that help a young quarterback like Justin Fields get that confidence early, get that rhythm early. So talk a little bit about what you like, what you didn't like from Justin Fields. And and just how that's going to work, maybe moving forward with some of this play calling and finding some of those bread and butter plays.
1: Yeah, so I th- I think some of the bread and butter plays were more of the delayed screens uh, to somebody like Khalil Herbert earlier on, where you kind of set him up, like eke him out of the backfield, do a little draw and then pop, t- pop the ball over. He's able to get 10 yards. And look, Khalil Herbert doesn't have the best hands, but I've been very, um, I guess, excited or um impressed with what he's done in camp and in the preseason with improving those hands because he's got speed and he's got quickness. That's kind of somebody he's not Tariq Cohen like we mentioned earlier but he is somebody who's got enough speed to outrace the defender and get to that first down marker. And then uh let's look at number 2, DJ Moore, the guy who's been hyped all freaking offseason. I'm sorry, he's um he's number 2, he came over for oh, the Panthers. He's got right, this amazing right, right. smile. Yeah, yeah, him. That guy. <laughs> He's a, like, we, we DVR'd him. I I remember I wanted to watch him this year. I hope we get right, a chance yeah. to do that soon. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Look two targets, two targets for your number one wide receiver. The person who has had that developed that chemistry and connection with Justin Fields, all camp long, all off season long. We saw it at camp. It was very evident that DJ Moore was just, he was toying with defenders and Fields was able to find him no matter what he trusted him. And look, I put out a tweet earlier and people may have misconstrued it by, you know, what my wording was, but we've, and by we, I mean the Bears fan base and NFL analysts out there, we've compared the DJ Moore acquisition to what the Bills did with Stephon Diggs and what the Eagles did with AJ Brown, right? Like, especially with Stephon Diggs, kind of a receiver who's good, could take that next step with a better quarterback. And then what happened for their first, for uh, first few games, Stephon Diggs gets I think it was eight catches for 80 something yards on like nine targets. Pretty good, right? AJ Brown, 10 catches for 155 yards on 13 targets. Really trying to get these guys the ball. DJ Moore gets two catches on two targets for 25 yards. Like that's unacceptable for what this guy brings and what he's shown all offseason long. And you know what? When Fields actually targeted him, two first downs, We finally saw Fields throw a slant for the first time in, I can remember. Yards after the catch, dare I say. Yes. Yes. He was bottled up for a second on that out route. And he got another, like, I think like four or five yards to get that first. And that's what DJ Moore does. He's a big physical guy. Give it to your best weapon and have him make plays. Trust him to go up and get the ball. Take those chances. That should be your bread and butter play. And I cannot believe that after one week, like, look, if, if he had let's say those two catches in 25 yards, but he had like seven or eight targets. Yeah, something went wrong, you know, whether it was like drops or bat, you know, coverage or anything, but I'd still be encouraged that Fields was actually looking his way instead of just immediately dropping back and looking for the running back in the flat over and over again, especially in the second half. So um, if I'm Fields, I'm trying to get DJ Moore going on those quick passes, get those yards after the catch open up the deep passes a little bit if you can afford the protection to make him get there, because we know DJ Moore can still make those deep ball grabs. And then, like I said, Khalil Herbert, continue to use him out of the backfield. I think he's a growing asset in terms of catching the ball. And I'd like to see Cole Komet do a little bit. He was was the safety blanket last year. We know he's not the most explosive athlete at the tight end position, but he should be counted on to do more with his frame and size in the middle of the field.
0: It's such a great point. Um, you know, coming into this season, I talked with Corey a little bit and I just thought what was interesting about a bears, this bears offense that we don't normally see typically in a year in a year out basis. And you just mentioned them. There are three home run hitters on this team. Their names are DJ Moore, Khalil Herbert and Justin Fields. And they all play different positions on the field. That should be enough to create some different looks, diversify the portfolio a little bit and give this offense an opportunity to not just move the chains, but come up with some big, big boy NFL type gains moving forward. And I just, this, this whole, the the play calling really, it really confused me a little bit. And I I guess maybe we'll, we'll wrap up on this before we move forward is, I mean, just, you know, armchair. What do you think the relationship is with, with Getze and Fields? I'm not trying to paint it as a bad relationship or a good relationship. It's a business. They have to work together but do you feel like that they're they're on the same page? I, you know, a lot of people go out there and they'll say, Getze doesn't trust Fields. Um, the other side will say, um, you know, Fields wants to call certain things that Getze won't let him run. Or maybe even further, you know, why are we not, why are we making EQ St. Brown inactive when this is one of my guys? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you see that relationship is right now? And just moving forward, because already they've just had a really big misstep in week one after last season, is going to be head coach. Could Justin Fields win MVP? I mean, they don't look like that they're on the same page right now. You know, how do you assess that right now?
1: You you said it at the end, they're not on the same page. And I really, I wrote it in my article for the takeaways. My biggest thing is I question the working relationship between these two, because if you look at the film, everybody wants to put it on Luke Getze or everybody wants to put it on Justin Fields. And what I'm seeing is two guys who have made mistakes at different parts of the play. Fields makes the right read on a bad play design. And then Luke gets, comes in with a good play design where guys are open. If fields makes the wrong read or doesn't pull the trigger and throws it downfield. It's no like trust. these two just
0: no yeah. trust, man, no yeah. trust.
1: They cannot line up and just be like, let's call the right play and hit that right read. There's, there's very little times it's happened in the past. I'll even say like, you know, a few games going back to last year. Um, it reminds me of, so I'm a, I'm a musician. I play saxophone. It reminds me of this moment where I'm recording with uh, with some, we we were in a band like a long time ago and we were doing horn recordings and it was me and three other horns and we were playing this very complicated uh, rhythm. It was like this verse or whatever. And we kept having to redo it because every single one of us missed something in one recording. It was like me one time and then the trumpet next time and then the trombone next time. And we all looked at each other like, guys, we can't keep doing, redoing this because our mouth's going to fall off. We need to get on the same page for once. And in my head, I'm like, that's Justin Fields and Luke Getze. Just one of them is screwing up at one point or the other. There's no trust. There's just lack of rhythm with what they're doing and what they're calling. I think Luke Getze, for what it's worth, I've said this a long time, he calls a great script. I think when he's scripting plays and he's getting things going early in the game, and I, I saw it last week too. It's just the whole like, except for the third and one and fourth and one lack of push there for the most part, I I was pretty okay with what they were doing. It's after the fact and after halftime where things start to fall off the rails a little bit. And then in turn, that makes Justin fall off the rails. Like how many passes downfield did you see not I'll even just put in the second half, because I just remember seeing screen, screen, screen. He was just afraid to even try to push it. And what maybe fields was just trying to get out of there alive because he was so gun shy in the, in the pocket, but my God, like the, the working relationship with these two needs some help. I want to get him with a therapist or something and just have him sit down and be like, what's going on with you, Luke. Let's figure out what's happening. What, what don't you like about Justin here and vice versa? Let's come to some common ground and pull together a game plan that benefits both of us, because I think both of them can be good. It's just together. Something, something's not clicking. Okay. Now, Justin, you're going to fall
0: back and Luke, (laughs) you're going to catch him. Okay, everybody. Are we ready? Are we ready to do this? Um, No, look, man, you're, you're, man, you're bringing up some great points. I mean, just if you want to get the ball out of his hands, just throw a damn slant. Okay. I mean, honestly, um, DJ Moore is great at separation off the line of scrimmage. He's a physical receiver. If you don't think Justin Fields trusts NFL open windows, just throw a slant, please. And at least you're moving the ball uh, a little vertically instead of doing it horizontally. Um, man, so many thoughts. Alto sax, Alto and tenor.
1: And oh, actually soprano a little
0: bit too. I got all three. Good for you, man. I mean, nothing gets me more jacked than Jerry Rafferty. First of all, uh, the saxophone <laughs> is the voice of the '80s. Um, yes, you know, before we had the turntables, we used all saxophone, is what I like to say. Um, but and you bring it up such a great point. And and from a broader broader view, I think another one of the concerning things is something that we talked about last year was, um, I, I just felt like the Chicago Bears defensively, um, and even offensively at times, were slow to make adjustments mid game. We would always see them kind of adjust maybe at halftime, uh, you know, take the giants game, for example, Dayballs running that same counter bam, Mm -hmm. bam, over and over. Can't contain the edge over and over again. Where is the adjustment mid game? It comes maybe a quarter too late And, and a bad hallmark of this coaching staff right now. And this goes back to Matt Eberflus is again, we're not ready to go when the bell rings. We have to adjust. And now we have to adjust quickly into week two and pick up a win because we play the chiefs in week three again there's just a little bit of a whiff of a slow at the switch. vibe a little bit with this coaching staff of sniffing out problems or concerns staying ahead of the curve and trying to fix things as quickly um, as you possibly can Um, and it's just kind of a concern for me right now, Um, before we get into keys. We're here with Brendan Brendan Chigrew here on Believe in Bears. I'm Joey Christopoulos. Uh Corey's out this week. He'll be back next week. Uh before we get into keys, I did mention this to you before you hopped on. Um, I want to just take a minute. We've talked a lot about, you know, I, everyone's probably gripping the wheel a little tight listening to this Bears podcast right now. So I, I wanted to do a segment with you called Shiny Happy People. And shiny happy people is when me and you were just gonna really quick we're going we're gonna to pull out a, a plate of meatballs. We're going to pull out a turd shining kit, and we're just going to shine a turd on this Bears' own one season right now. Um, it's going to feel very ESPN hot takey, but we're going to do it for about 40 to 60 seconds and back and forth. Here's my first one. I'm going to go first. Brendan, I'm going to tell you something right now, okay? This is the best thing that ever happened to Chicago Bears, all right? You get punched in the mouth. And early on in the season, you have to look yourself in the mirror and decide what kind of football team you want to be. I think this is the best thing that happened to them, Brendan. I don't know about you. This is the best thing that could have possibly
1: happened. Okay, Joey, you know what? Look, last year, we started 1-0 and against the 49ers. We were riding high in the week, too. Two. Big. We big. Too we could... big. Too big. We thought we were Kings of the world, and then we got smacked on our ass in Green Bay once again, but this time it was week two after, and now there's less of the season left. We just moved up the ass kicking from week two to week one. So now we have more time to adjust and get better. I'd much rather start 0-1 and go 1-1 and show, no, this is what we are now. This is the team we are. We're not these guys that, okay, we're going to get high after one week. No, we got kicked on our ass. We're going to get up. Talking's over. Talk is cheap. Now we're going to go down to Tampa, Florida without Tom Brady, and we're going to kick some ass down there because Baker Mayfield? No, he's just a mini Jay Cutler. That's all that is. But I love Jake Culler.
0: And that's the thing. That's the thing, Shoe Grew, my friend, is that nobody sees us coming. Nobody knows. Nope. Nope. No need to. We, we, we just showed them all of our bad plays. You know what? They haven't seen any of our good plays yet. So I think, you know, you get punched in the mouth, you come back, and then that's where you get a big win. Uh, that was our shiny happy people segment that was for this week. I that, that. Was, that was fantastic. <laughs> Um, so far, uh, to this point, coming back to earth a little bit, this team is bullshit and I'm really upset on both sides of the football, but let's roll it forward. Right. Because look, we get a couple of days to wipe this taste out of our mouth. Bears, Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. Um, let's just open it up like this. We're going to do some keys to the game. If the Chicago bears are going to beat Tampa Bay and get back to one-on-one, uh, in week two, what do you think right now is the biggest key to victory?
1: Stop the blitz. Yeah. Yeah, stop stop the blitz. Todd Bowles, we know that he loves to bring the heat. Last week, the out of all the teams, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were second most in terms of blitz percentage. Of course, the Vikings, the team they played, were first. And we saw, if you watch the highlights, Kirk Cousins struggled. I mean, yeah, he was finding Justin Jefferson, but he was getting hit in the pocket. Antoine Winfield coming off the edges, you know, creating strip sacks and just QB hits and making them uncomfortable. And look, we know that going back to 2021 remember justin fields just kind of like that deer in the headlights look how much that he was struggling against that defense he threw three interceptions he had like a quarterback rating of like 40 and i mean i'm worried about that because although tom brady's gone that offense is not what it used to be that defense is still there and that defensive coordinator who's now the head coach still has those same philosophies you have to worry about vita vea you have to worry about like i said winfield coming off the edge you got to worry about devin white like all of these guys are still coming for Justin Fields. And I, I just, I'm worried now with, look, Fields said, he, I, I want to pass deep more. I want to do that. I'm like, dude, that is great. Let's save that for week three, because I think actually Luke Getz's <laughs> game plan for getting those screens out and maybe, you know, creating those opportunities where you can get behind those blitzing defenders, that's actually going to work, I think, pretty well. And rolling Fields out of the pocket to evade some of those rushers, that's what we need to do. So, if they can combat the blitz a little bit i do think that this defense can at the very least match up well against what the buccaneers are doing especially i uh listed in my players to watch this week the right side of the offensive line so you got cody mock the right guard rookie and then luke godiki um Luke Godeke not that great on right tackle and Cody's still a rookie. So if you can bring that extra pressure and make Baker Mayfield a little bit uncomfortable, we know he throw, he likes to throw interceptions um, and just keep the ball away from Mike Evans. Uh, he's their biggest playmaker and he's the one that Mayfield has been targeting most. He led the team in targets this past week. So we, we know that he can carve up the Bears too. Last time in that 2021 game, some of these same defenders are on the same team when Evans went off for three touchdowns. So yeah, basically stopping the blitz. It sounds simple and easy, but it's going to be very difficult with this interior offensive line. And then just, you know, attacking that right side of the offensive line, because I think that's their weakness. Just quick follow-up on that. I mean, so
0: in your mind, is that, is that max protect? Is that, are we going to see Mercedes Lewis out there with some chip help? Um, I mean, because it sounds a little bit like that could lend itself to more horizontal play. Yeah. Um, You know, you know what, What do you think it's going to look like? What do you think the attack uh, position is going to be um, for the Bears on that side? Because, you know, it looks like when they do max protect, at least gives Justin that pocket at least, and maybe win on some one-on-one matchups, and maybe he can break contain. But, I mean, what, what do you think that's going to look like? Yeah.
1: The good news is I do think it's going to be more Mercedes Lewis and he only had five snaps this past week, which is a little bit interesting. This yeah. is the reason you brought him in for those max protect situations. Tanya think... too, excuse
0: me, but Tanya, yeah. I think was also in single digits on snaps too, as well. He didn't get a lot of run. I don't believe.
1: No, he, he didn't, but I also know he was, he had that back injury pop-up. So I mm. think that's probably, that probably um, was a reason that he didn't see much. Yeah. I wanted to see more of Bob Tanya. I thought, a decent mismatch in the end zone but um i digress so yeah more mercedes lewis get him out on the edge create those max protect opportunities and then probably more chipping with running backs so maybe that means roshan johnson and more deontay foreman uh get more run i know that roshan let's talk about positives from green bay i mean roshan johnson the way he plays and his running and just how his utilization late in the game he looked like he was the only guy maybe he and darn Wright were the two guys that were like actually wanting to be there and like wanting to play hard so i think roshan's definitely earned more reps and i think he gives them a better opportunity to get those pass blocks to give justin a little bit more time and the good news is we saw some of this last year in terms of just with how bad the offensive line was and what the bears needed to do with that extra blocking tight end but they didn't have the wide receivers to create those um. Uh, to be able to throw up the ball and make big catches you have that now with dj Moore and a healthy darnell mooney so in theory this should be a better opportunity even with those blitzers coming in so yeah i I think definitely with mercedes lewis getting more play and then roshan those are going to be two keys and yeah hopefully you can get a little bit more of those crossers going slants like we talked about and just letting your receivers do the work because we know they can Uh, i'm going
0: to go with one of my keys for a bears victory in week two is Um, Honestly, I'm just going to kind of put it at a number. I'm going to put it at 14.5. And when I see 14.5, I think the Bears have to be over on the point total in the first half um, in that regard. Um, If you talk to enough former NFL players, look, Bears fans, this is not cliche. Uh, Corey Wooten's talked about it before. When you play in Tampa Bay in that humidity and you're not used to it in September, it's going to be over 90 degrees there. Um, It can zap you. It can zap you pretty quick and can have you suck and win. And if you want to talk about a football team right now that look, we've all admitted and agreed, both of us, that this team wasn't ready to play and has a bit of some cohesion issues. Um, I'd like to think also conditioning might have a little something to do with that too, as well. I'm not saying that they're in shape. I'm saying that I'm concerned that they might not be ready to play 60 minutes um, of football Sunday in Tampa Bay. And I don't think bears fans should expect that either. Um, so I think, for the sake of the psyche of this offense, for the sake of Justin Fields, for Luke Getze, for everything that's just happened all this last week and for the game itself and what's gonna transpire in that second half. I think they gotta get over 14 points in this first half. I think they gotta build a little lead a little bit. Um, something that Eberflus's teams haven't had a big chance to do, play with that lead a little bit, protect, because I just think if we're gonna win this game, I think it's gonna come
1: in the front half and I think we might be holding on for dear life in the second half. It's a really good point, and I've I've harped on the weather and the temperature since the schedule came out. When I saw that Tampa was in uh, September, Ooh, yeah. I'm like, oh no, this is this is bad. Like we we remember the May, Miami game in 2018 when just guys were cramping up and they lost steam at the end. They just couldn't hang. And I know Miami's a little bit different with how they have their sidelines than Tampa, but it's still going to be very difficult in the humidity and the heat. So it's a very fair point. And I believe I looked up the stat. That the Bears haven't won in Tampa Bay in September or October since the mid-90s. I think they're 0-6 since then. And part of that has to do with, I think part of that has to do with the heat and the humidity. It, yeah. It's tough.
0: No, and look, if we want to play the game, Bears fans, which we do every year when we pull up the schedule and we go, oh, we're getting the Arizona Cardinals in December, that's a W. We have to play the same card about going somewhere where it's going to be crazy hot and humid, like a place like Tampa Bay in the middle of September. So that really concerns me. Um, What else you got? You got one more key before we do final score prediction. What's it going to take for the Chicago Bears to come out with a W this week?
1: Hmm. I mean, we talked about the blitz. We talked about trying to attack the offensive line. Give give me a key.
0: Give me a key for Justin Fields specifically. Like, what do you want to see from him and what what specifically is going to be a key for him to, I don't know about unlock something, but to get back to baseline and start getting that confidence back? Because I think reading the field a lot of time does come down to
1: confidence, and I don't think he has it right now. Yeah. Look, it sounds simple, and I know it's not, but just rip it. Rip it, man. We know yeah. that Justin Fields loves to hold the ball in the pocket. He wants things to develop. Maybe he's a little unsure. Yeah, like you know. Yeah, look, we saw JTO Sullivan's <laughs> breakdown. Just I did the whole, I did the throw whole it. hour, dude. I did the
0: whole hour, dude.
1: Did what you need am I drink doing after? to myself? Oh
0: my god, I drank
1: during. I drank during. <laughs> I I, um, I I should have done this earlier. Um, I sped it up. I did like one and a half times and it, you still get the whole thing you just can process it a little bit faster but hearing jt sullivan say it over and over what are we doing what are we doing what are we doing, are we doing? throw it throw it, no, throw no, it. No, 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 like, oh, no 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 <laughs> yes. no 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 yes um so look we we talked about it the bears have these playmakers justin you want to throw it deep you want to trust these guys i saw it in practice i swear to god i saw it with my own eyes he's dropping back two steps go two steps go and just hitting those with confidence and with accuracy too. Like, look, we we know he's, he's not going to be perfect. Things are going to happen passes are going to get broken up, but like he wasn't getting, giving the defense chances to react or he was giving his receivers just opportunities to make those plays, to go up and get it. And they went up and get it, especially in the turn in the, uh, when it comes to DJ Moore. So just, be able to make those quick three step drops and just throw it. All right. Yeah. Trust your guys to make plays. And you know what? If it's an incompletion, it's an incompletion. But you're when you're throwing screens that are you mentioned it, four yards behind an already shotgun justin fields, that that helps nobody. You complete the pass, but then it's second and fifteen now. And now, like you might as well have just taken a sack, really, because that's what you're putting the offense into. And now you open yourselves up to more mistakes and more opportunities to make bad plays. So uh, that's what I want to see. But look, I got to say, I'm I'm worried about it because we've been saying that now for the the last year, like, just don't be afraid to throw it and don't be afraid to kind of like get that out and anticipate the throws. But we'll see. I mean, I, I'm going to keep hoping, man, because we got to see it sooner or later.
0: Yeah, look, I, I think he's coming up on, I think either his 29th or 30th career start um, as an NFL quarterback. Um, when I hop on other people's pods and different shows and they ask me about Justin Fields, um, there's everything, there's there's nothing that I can say that I don't like about him. He literally has everything that you can want in a quarterback. But again, I, I kind of liken it like this and every quarterback goes through this. This is the bridge every quarterback has to cross. And it's that second, third progression and that mastery of the vision of the field of an offense. Mitch played well could not cross that bridge you Mm -hmm. either do it or you don't um you know even I I feel like Kirk Cousins is a guy that has crossed that bridge and that is why he has had a solid substantial career crossing the bridge does not make you a pro bowler uh doesn't mean that you're winning a Super Bowl but it does mean that you are an NFL quarterback for a long stretch and to this point I don't think Justin Fields has crossed that bridge yet and he's still there um and I hope that he does but not everybody makes it right and this is what we're trying to find out right now maybe my final key and then we're going to get the final score is look X's and O's, you know, what can we say? Like schematically, it all looked terrible. I think if we improve here and there, you know, no shit. It's across the board all over the place. So I I am going to, forgive me, I'm going to stay a little bit more emotional on this side because I do think I think this was an emotional, embarrassing week for the Chicago Bears. And when we're talking about Justin Fields, Um, And when we're talking about that bridge that he needs to cross, that's what he needs to do with his game. But we hear a lot about Justin Fields, the leader and the person right now. And I'm not advocating that on the first play, he goes and tries to truck a linebacker around an edge. But I am saying though, that we need one person on the offense to be a tone setter. You know what I'm saying? Like, honestly, and I, I don't mean it to be, it doesn't have to be demonstrative. I don't need you grabbing people's face masks or whatever, but like you were talking about, Get out there, bop, 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 throw the ball, like one, two, three, mm-hmm. show some urgency, rip the ball, get a little passion going, and just have it try and feed and matriculate to the rest of the offense somehow. Because, I mean, we need to turn the page. The quickest way that you turn the page is, I think is from your leaders, um, whether it is offensive, defense, I don't care what sport it is, the quickest way to forget about, oh, man, we suck, is to watch your leader kind of drag you and just show you the things that brings you back a little bit to the light. And I don't, I mean, maybe this sounds a little meatball or something, but I mean, man, Justin Fields, if you are the leader of this team, if you're the captain of this team, um, be the tone setter, man. Yeah. And just show us that early on, we're still going to make mistakes. This stuff is not going to look clean and tight all the time. It probably will be a couple of weeks. Um, this whole month, I think, is going to be choppy at this point right now. But there's some things that he can do to bring us back to that baseline a little bit, get him back believing a little bit. And I yeah. I think that might be one of the keys of the game. And I think that's something Justin Fields can do quite easily in week two if it's not reading that second third progression
1: so i have a real you you brought up the whole leadership aspect and the emotional at like you got to show it on the sideline you got to juice your guys up i mean we've heard all these guys talk about bring the juice bring the juice all right well i don't see no sunny d on that sideline because i didn't see the juice on sunday but now we heard that jaquan jaquan brisker texted fields and said hey man we got to bring the juice like, you know, you do, I do. And this is also kind of on the heels a month ago or so when Darnell Mooney's talking about like, yeah, the quarterback's got to do it. I know he wasn't calling him out, but he said it in the press conference. Like we know that fields has to be that guy to kind of get us juiced up. So are we kind of concerned that like fields just has that. I- I'm going to say the name, not in the same way, but like that Jake Cutler type where he just, he brings the leadership in his own way. And it's not mm. that like, you know, big rah-rah type style and galvanizing guys on the sideline because it just sounds like guys are wanting that from him. What do you think? Tough to say, man, right? I mean, if you roll the clocks back a year ago to week one, who's
0: leading the team down a flying V and jumping onto his chest? And one of the greatest, honestly, whether Justin Fields works out or not, it's one of the more iconic bear shots we're ever going to get in our lifetime. And when you see something like that, that's when I go, oh man, this dude's a leader. And Mm -hmm. when we see the commander's game and then the next week we kick the Patriots ass and Justin Fields looks the way that he does. When people say like, show me the tape of Justin Fields playing well, put on the Patriots game. Okay. Yeah. And then call me back. I mean, that's the stuff that we saw. And last year also, when we see, them down by eight, or they take the lead. Justin Fields takes the lead against the forty, uh, the Vikings, excuse me. They come back down and score because Kirk Cousins was 45 for 45 that day. And he still got the ball back and took him to midfield. If it wasn't for that smith Marset fumble. So I saw stuff where Justin Fields said, screw it. I'm going to bring us back. I'm going to get us as close as we possibly can. And I, I think sometimes as a leader, what I kind of felt from Justin Fields was I felt like he kind of bailed on some situations early in the game, you know? Yeah. You see, you see Nate Davis whiffed once, okay. Nate Davis whiffs twice. Oh shit! Nate Davis whiffs again. I can't trust this guy. Um, I throw a screen pass and Claypool's got his hands up. You know what I mean? And he goes, "All right, I can- do. I trust this screen pass now." Like, yeah. And I, I think that's a little part of it, especially when you know, from a leadership aspect, you still are assessing the areas of trust in your offense at different times. And you don't have to trust everyone to be a leader. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a part of it. And I do felt like he kind of like loosened up on the rope a little bit. And I think the only way to try and do it is, is some of that tone setting, you know, be active, be someone, you know, sometimes when you see a guy like hitting everybody's hands coming off the sideline or whatever, yeah. it can seem rah-rah performative. But mm-hmm. there is a part of it too that also says, hey, I'm looking at each and one of you. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. stay, uh, stay on your P's and Q's and there's a part of it. And I'm with you, man. I did not see it in week one. I do think it's in there though. And I think that's going to be one of the keys to the game is a guy like Justin Fields saying, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. Like, do it. Just yeah. do, do what you need to do. You know, and I didn't mean to single Nate Davis out. I mean, there was a lot of people that sucked <laughs> on the offensive line. But when you watch that tape, the dude like
1: straight whiffs
0: like multiple times
1: well he ran out of gas too I mean my I thought he was like like the Bears as a whole I thought he was okay in the first half and then he just really struggled in the second half but look that's what happens when you miss pretty much every practice in August yeah yeah no for sure dude I mean like and that's gonna be really tough for him on Sunday yeah I'm
0: I'm terrified for him and Darnell writes a rookie playing his first road game um in conditions that maybe he's not super used to either I mean I know he played Tennessee so maybe he gets a little we get a
1: little humidity down in Tennessee but I don't know if it's Tampa
0: Tampa proper
1: well yeah and he's also playing in his first true road game too and uh, yeah. that was another thing we talked about camp I know we're kind of going off here but like darn Wright had a ton of false starts the fact that he really didn't have many penalties on Sunday I was so thankful for because you could I think he had like five false starts one practice and two of them were like back to back and I'm like dude come on you got to get it together so when you're when you're hot, when you're humid and you're playing in or you know, an opposing stadium with more crowd noise than you're used to in a long time, that can happen. So hopefully that's you know, he's able to stay on those P's and Q's and keep from making those those mental mistakes.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I also noticed Cole Komet started kind of cheating on the snap a little bit because I think mm-hmm. he kind of knew he was getting his ass beat, so that was a little bit of a concern too as well. The, we can go on and on, my man. Yeah. But but like, as you said, uh, and, and you said it correctly uh, before the potty. you said it during this time, is that I really think the only thing that you can do is move forward right now. Um, the Chicago Bears have a game to play on Sunday, so Brendan, give it to me. What is your final score, Bears versus Bucks, week two?
1: Who comes out on top? Okay, so before the season, I had this as a surefire loss, basically for a lot of the reasons we talked about, the Bulls defense, the heat and humidity, but I also had the Packers winning, and what I thought was going to happen, I'm sorry, the Bears beating the Packers in week one, so I thought this was going to be one of those letdown games where things were going to look really, really bad, but after this week, they need a win, with all the noise coming out, with all of the fact that everybody's kind of looking themselves in the mirror, that we need to put up or shut up because... Things might be happening. This is, might be a powder keg that's starting to, you know, the fuse is starting to go. So I don't know why, I don't know how, but I think that they're going to find that way to galvanize to get this win. The Bears haven't started 0-2, I believe, since 2017. That's a long time ago. For as bad as they've been, they've been able to kind of, no matter who the coach is, they've been able to keep pace and at least start the season at 500 after two weeks. So... I don't know how it happens. I'm not going to lie whether they pick up the blitzes or are able to kind of get that short passing game going effectively versus Tampa and making Baker Mayfield actually play quarterback while continuing to shut down that run game, which wasn't good for Tampa last week. We, we should mention that. I think it's going to be 23, 21 bears. And I think we're all going to be looking at ourselves saying, how the hell did we get out of there with the win? (laughs) Um,
0: I'm not that far off from you. Um, It's part of my concern, but I'm feeling right now I'm sticking to one of my keys. Uh, I'm going to say the Chicago bears win 20 to 19. Okay. I feel it plays out a little something like this. I want to believe and think after being embarrassed that the Chicago bears come out. I think they put up 17 first half points, um, by hooker by Crook, two touchdowns, one field goal. I think they're up somewhere in the area of like 17 to six at halftime. And then, buddy, like, buckle up. You know what I'm saying? Because I think that they run out of gas in the second half. I, You know, I I think that, you know, they get to 20 points. And I think the slowly but surely Tampa Bay keeps creeping in, creeping in, creeping in. I'm just not – I'm with you on Mike Evans. I'm just not buying – look, Baker's accuracy has always kind of bothered me. And I think his accuracy – I think that gap right there is enough to kind of shore up. I think what the bears are going to have to deal with on the defensive line. So I think the secondary has an opportunity to play well, either even without Kyler Gordon, I'm thinking 20 to 19. One of my concerns is a little bit of get ready bears fans that if this, if this works out the way that I'm saying it is, uh, we get a W we go to one-on-one, one, but we are going to still be talking about what the hell went wrong in the second half, mm-hmm. as opposed to maybe um, shining some light on what went well in the first half. And I think no matter what, I hope that we win. I think we're still going to have plenty of questions and things uh, to be upset about or be concerned about um, heading into
1: week three against Kansas City. That's kind of where I'm landing. Yeah, I, I, Spot on with just the fact that like this team does start start out well with the scripts like we talked about, but then loses gas, especially with the heat and humidity. You're on to something. I really, really like that. And I could definitely see us looking at each other kind of like, okay, we got the win we're back but what about the second half yeah yeah but now we yeah. also still have concerns oh and Patrick Mahomes and a healthy Travis Kelsey and a freshly paid Chris Jones are waiting in the wings do we have to play that game oh we do we have to okay and Matt Nagy's on the other sideline too just for, oh looking you know... so
0: tan my wife was watching it the other night and she was like what the hell is he doing looking so
1: tan He's in Kansas City. (laughs) What is that? Makes no sense to me. That's the, oh, I have Patrick Mahomes, so I'm going to take some extra time and just work on myself for a little bit, and then uh, we'll figure it out. (laughs) Uh,
0: Brendan Shagru, man, we got to get you out of here, man. Thank you so much for joining Believe in Bears. Uh, Such a pleasure, man. I've been a fan of yours for a long time. We got an opportunity to interact here and there on Twitter a little bit. I'm so happy that we finally got it together and come on. Um, I'm so uh, excited for you, all the good stuff that you've been doing. I love seeing you on TV, man. Just know that I'm rooting for you super hard. Uh, The future is bright, man. Thank you so much for being generous and coming on with your time. Do me a favor. Please plug all of your shows. Bears Wire, your Twitter,
1: anything that uh, the good people listening right now can check out your great work. Oh, first off, Joey, thank you so much, man. You are awesome. Like you do such a good job with this. You're so fun to interact with. Um, Thanks, you know, I wish Corey was here to meet him, but I'm really, Litter, really a big later later in as the well. season,
0: baby. We're gonna bring you, yeah, back. right.
1: But back. no, I'm I'm such a big fan of you. And seriously, like this was such a pleasure. Like you if you're saying the same things about me, like your star has to be shining as well, because you do this very, very well. So I, and I'm not bad you, but um, now definitely follow me on Twitter at Brendan Chagru, that's S-U-G-R-U-E. Uh, check out my work at bearswire.com. You can follow at the bearswire. And then yeah, the Bear Down Chicago podcast, we record every Sunday after the game. Uh, myself, Ryan Dangle, Jack Wright, Patrick Sheldon, and Logan Bradley will, uh, will be reacting to the game, hopefully a better game, because I'm telling you, man, some of those guys on Sunday were like, I don't want to do this anymore. It was that bad. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, let's not. This was bad. I, I, I want to keep talking bears with you guys. But, um, no, yeah, it's a, it's a good time. So, always appreciate it. And always appreciate the support and the back and forth, man. It, it really means a lot. I uh, can't wait to bring you back, man. Thank you so much. And uh, I'll bring
0: you back on better circumstances, I won- <laughs> I promise. And if not, we'll be talking about a number one pick, and then we'll just go from there. Um, yeah. Today, Today's episode of Believe in Bears was presented by who else? BetOnline.ag. Promo code Believe, B-L-E-A-V. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposits So make sure you head on over there before the week two action begins. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, whether it's on SiriusXM, wherever you find your podcast. Thank you so much for watching us on YouTube or with our presenting YouTube channel, Sports Talk Chicago. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. Uh, this weekend, look, it's week two. Bears got a win. Of all the times of the year, to say bear down, this is the time. Thanks for tuning in.